0: In this episode, I sit down with a carnivore diet specialist and we talk about the rave and craze around the carnivore diet. You may have seen Joe Rogan talk about this on his podcast or even post about it on his Instagram that he tried it. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty controversial uh, diet. It's definitely different than a lot of mainstream um, thought process or logic behind eating. And it throws a lot of rocks at and Talks bad about fruits and vegetables. And I just want to give a quick disclaimer that I don't know anything about the diet. This is the first time that I'm really hearing about it. And I am in no way endorsing this or saying that you should try it or that it works or doesn't work. I am just learning about it just like you guys are. So as you listen to this episode, there's going to be a lot of controversial opinions in here. Kurt does a really good job of explaining why things are the way that they are and why he believes certain things and why they do certain things. But once again, I'm not endorsing it or saying that this is factually true. I'm learning about it just like you are. So strap in, do your research if you're considering doing this, but it's a fascinating episode and I think you'll learn a lot. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and happy Wednesday, guys. It is a, it's a good day to be alive, as always. We have another amazing, super exciting, special guest for you guys here today. And I, actually, guys, I'm actually... I know I say I'm excited for every guest, but guys, I just am, okay? Like, <laughs> literally... I get to interview cool people every single day for a living. Like my life is amazing. I'm I'm not even gonna lie. It's like my dream job, which everybody should go have their dream job. So I like, I get excited to talk to all these people because I love interviewing people. I love learning and we get to share it with you guys. But my next guest specifically that we're gonna be bringing on here is actually a diet guy. So he uh, teaches all about different types of diets. We're gonna talk about the the carnivore diet. Um, He's friends with Natalie Hodson, who we've had on the podcast before, who's absolutely awesome. And for me, someone that, I mean, Guys, as you know, like I'm I'm getting a whole, whole lot better at eating healthier. I really am. But my Panda (laughs) Express, my McDonald's, my chocolate milkshakes. I mean, I'm just telling you, my cheese curds. it's it's all terrible. I know, I know. But um, it's uh, it's where we're going on it. So, anyway, guys, um real quick, I do want to remind you don't forget um less than a week away now. Traffic secrets March 17th. It is on a Tuesday. This book drops for pre-order. We got some amazing amazing cool bonuses. We've got bonuses from Natalie Hotson from Steve Larson from uh who else? We got Arnie. I'm looking at my board up here. Arnie Giske, Brad Gibb, Marley, uh, all sorts of really cool people have contributed, really cool bonuses. So when you buy through the link, you not only get all my bonuses, you get all their bonuses, and that will be all on the page, uh, the waitlist page and the page when it goes live. So March 17th, Tuesday, mark your calendar is going to be amazing. And we're going to have super, super tons of fun. And we have a really big announcement that I can't tell you until Tuesday. Uh, and then we will uh, announce that. So it's going to be super fun too. Okay, guys, without further ado, I don't want to keep our guests waiting any longer. Um, we're going to bring him on right now. Kurt, how do you pronounce your last name, dude? Yazaje. Kurt that. Whatever he just <laughs> said right there. Kurt, welcome to Think Different Theory, man. I am so pumped to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure.
0: All right. So diet, man. What, what, a, what an interesting topic to get into let's let's start there we're gonna get into your backstory we're gonna get into who you are and who you serve and all that and you can drop all the goodness on but like dude how did how do you decide like I'm gonna go and learn about the carnivore diet how does that come about
1: it's 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 an interesting story um and I could talk a lot about it but I, I will just tell you that um I've been in the entrepreneur space for six years and I had anxiety for a long time and I realized about five, six years ago that the foods I was taking, the things that I was consuming made a huge impact on how I felt and how I could sort of operate day to day. And diet seemed to be the biggest lever. And that became a realization, especially when I got into the carnivore diet about two, about a year and a half, two years ago.
0: Okay. Interesting. So when you say, all right. So when you say anxiety, I feel like I feel like we need to kind of talk about specifically what that all involves because I um I'm a pretty controversial person and I I am a huge believer that the body can heal itself. Um I believe that through your thought and belief and then through what you put into your body both physically with food and the output through exercise and then the same thing with the mind that pretty much we don't need modern medicine. I mean, modern medicine has this place. I'm not dissing modern medicine for the place of where it is, but like, I really do believe in those things. And so when it comes to things like stress and anxiety and things like that, making controversial statements about like, Hey, anxiety is all in your head and you, you can essentially cure yourself from it is something that I think a lot of people tend to like, Josh, you've never had anxiety, which I have. And you know what I mean? Like things like that. I, I do think that there are d- certain levels of it. So I think it's important to define kind of where we're coming from and what you specifically mean by anxiety and what we're talking about here specifically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, um, I I had anxiety. So everyone experiences a level of anxiety throughout their day to day. You know, you, you go and approach a girl that you're attracted to. You're going to, as a guy, if you're single, you're going to probably feel some anxiety from the social consequences of looking like an idiot or just, you know, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. If you go and you have a big, presentation or just being on a podcast like this, there's a little bit of of energy that comes in with that, that you want to perform and and show up right. And so that's a natural form of anxiety. The anxiety I'm talking about is the kind of anxiety where you wake up and you feel like you're carrying a weight and you are kind of like afraid to kind of go about your day to day. And it becomes a pattern that manifests. And I think we do have that sort of neuroplasticity in our minds that Creates grooves of of thought patterns that we end up sort of um, revisiting. Kind of, I think Tony Robbins talks about kind of like the the habits become habitual, and and the thought patterns become sort of an emotional home that we live in, and we stay in that. And and unfortunately, for a lot of people, anxiety gets to a point where it's it's embarrassing because you're like, why do I feel this way? It's very isolating. It's very fear invoking, and so. Um, what I found was like when I left corporate world after being at Microsoft and Zillow eight for eight total years after college and going off to become an entrepreneur, I just wasn't prepared for my business growth and my businesses outgrew me as an individual mm. and i wasn 't emotionally uh, ready for that and so I had a business where I had um, thirty plus employees and it, it just my mind and the way I was able to kind of like take things in, I just was overwhelmed. And the way that I processed that was not healthy. And I started to sort of manifest in avoidance patterns. I would go out, I would, uh, you know, want to not go into the office as much. I would go to the gym, which isn't a bad thing, but there was a lot of things I did. And so the anxiety ended up being this point where I was feeling anxious throughout my day. And, um, I would wake up feeling anxious. Now I don't do yeah. that. Now I, I, I definitely feel stressed and I feel like I said, natural forms of anxiety from time to time, but it's not this level of underlying kind of foundational. Uh, I just, you know, I'm it's fearing like a panic what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a panic of like, Oh my gosh, like I'm just waiting for something to go wrong almost And mine manifested into a panic attack. I was sitting in my office. I was looking at the numbers, uh, financially we're doing good. We didn't know where our money was going to come from. We had a lot of broken processes and and things that were going on. And I was CEO and I was just like, "Ugh!" and then I just kind of like my heart started pounding. I was sweating. And the next thing I knew, I got lightheaded. I had to walk upstairs, lay down, and I I ended up walking myself over to a local urgent care. I talk about this in my book. And and, um, it was basically a panic attack I gave myself. And that kind of imprinted in my biology, in my physical self, a feeling of, trauma. And it it sort of anchored in this anxiety that then sort of continued to manifest because I had all these outside triggering moments that I didn't know how to deal with. And I didn't know anything about what was going on.
0: Yeah. And I think what's super interesting is kind of going back to you're talking about like Tony Robbins and habits and like things like that and how these things are formed. Like, we operate based on and going into a little bit of mindset stuff, guys, here. Um, we operate based on the stories we tell ourselves, right? So like whatever story that we're going to continue to tell ourselves over and over and over again, subconsciously, that's how we're going to operate out of. And when you talk about how like habits are formed to kind of put us, put ourselves into this state of anxiety, it's when you re- have you ever read the book, The Power of Habit? Oh yeah,
1: with Charles it, is it yeah, Charles yeah. doing yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, so I'm good. So when a habit is formed, a habit is caused by a trigger, right? And then there's this response that happens to that trigger, and then there's this essentially emotional uh connection or this emotional feeling that happens, this this hit of dopamine or whatever at the end of it so that you know, okay, this trigger happens, then this I automatically go and do this thing and then at the end of it, I'm going to have some type of reward. And it sounds crazy to say when it comes to anxiety, but your body, the anxiety is actually creating this hit that your brain is actually like craving, right? Because at the end of it, you get this reward of it. And it's scientifically proven that um, the exact exact same thing is, when you're anxious and nervous is the same exact feeling in your brain as excitement, right? So it's just how you perceive. It's the lens that you put on. So when you talk about waking up and having anxiety, I mean, I remember for me my low point, my crashing moment when it all came crumbling down for me. I was stressed and anxious from the moment I got up. I mean, I would wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning in an all out sweat. And just like being like freaked out about the fact that I've got all these client responsibilities and I can't sleep and I can't do, and like just my everyday function is like, I had to have something there. I was drinking, you know, six seven eight nine, 10 Dr. Peppers a day, just chugging them down because I was like dealing with this. And it was because of the emotional triggers that were going off in my brain. I was writing the story that said, Hey, anytime I felt this way, go into this habit. Then I was going to get this hit. And that was this, this. Loop of anxiety, right? And so that's why I believe that you can reprogram it. It sounds like you're right there with that. It's like, hey, if we can change what's causing that, we can change what goes on in the brain, If we can change what goes on to our body. Essentially, you can change the
1: outcome of anxiety. Is that what we're, we're kind of referring to here? Hundred percent. I think um, when when we look at the environment, right? It's it's the triggers. Like there's a lot. So I read I read a lot of books on anxiety. I went through a lot of counseling and just tried to understand it better and and a lot of it's environmental and and built into our nervous system, right? So it's at the reptilian level of our brains where we have something called neuroception. Our nervous system has a perception of our environment and what's Mm. triggering us anxiously that Mm. is outside of our conscious awareness. And there's authors that write about this. Um, There's a book called um, Focusing by Eugene Genlin, and he's he's a, he was a psychologist at the University of Chicago. And he, Talks about how those sensations that you were explaining about feeling nervous or excited are very similar. But then the interpretation you make in your mammalian brain to define the emotion, which is a combination of the actual sensations coming from your reptilian brain, is how you categorize it. So, uh, you know, your excitement might come from your heart, just as anxiety comes from where your heart center is. But then the way you define it and what you label it, and then how you interpret that cognitively. Completely sets the tone in a very different way for you. I love that.
0: I love that. okay, so let's let's talk about this and I want to kind of go back to your backstory here and how you got into this and a little bit of what like what you do, um, because I think that's important for people that have never heard of you, and before this podcast, I mean, I had no idea who you were, and I got introduced you through Natalie, who um, I trust you know, tremendously. but like talk to us about your backstory. why are you credible? Why should we listen to you and what ultimately got you to this point?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I just wrote a book on the carnivore diet. It's launching in a week. So um, I guess, am I credible? Am I not credible? Um, I've been an entrepreneur for six years. Our business has sold about fourteen million in rev in product over the last six years. So whether or not that makes me credible or not, I don't know. I, I did work for Microsoft for what, four what's years. That, sorry, what's your business, real quick? So my my I have two companies, but the company that uh, did has done the majority of our revenue is called Crush for Ties. And so okay. we we're we we're basically a, a company that focuses on affiliate marketing and we sell a bunch of products using Facebook ads. Okay. Um, I met Natalie through, actually through Influencer when I was down in San Diego last year at Brittany Bouchard's conference. Nice. And uh, she was a speaker there and then um, hired her as a coach. Um, as far as credibility, I mean, the carnivore diet's pretty new. It's only been really a big mainstream thing for the last two and a half, three years. And it really got popular when Michaela Peterson and Jordan Peterson were on the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, I remember and so that. for most people, it's hard to say, oh, why are you credible? Or "You know, what makes you qualified to speak about it? And I'm not a doctor. I studied biology, I have a degree in biology, and then I have a degree in engineering. But honestly, appealing to authority in today's world is such, I think is one of the worst, it's one of the reasons we're, we're so sick as a population. We've constantly looked at people who've run studies and created the belief systems they have to teach us conventional wisdom, like high cholesterol is terrible. When we, we've created these systems in the modern health system, uh, healthcare system, where doctors specialize. But the problem is, they, the doctor that looks at your heart and your cholesterol isn't looking at your gut. And they're so connected. And like if you change what you put in your gut, your cholesterol could easily go down. But the doctor that looks at your heart and doesn't know about your gut and what you're eating could give you a statin and lower your cholesterol synthetically with a pharmaceutical. But it's like, no, bro, I don't have hypocholesterolemia. I'm not genetically predispositioned for high cholesterol. Right. I'm just on a ketogenic diet and you've never seen one and you don't know what you're talking about. And so- yeah. There's there's well, so much and, you can go into that,
0: and I and I think I think this is an important distinction when it comes to health. So quick quick side note, backstory, just so that you're aware. I had um, a sister when she was five years old, I think, um, maybe she was six. Anyway, she had seizures. She started having seizures, like full-out seizures. Uh, like It got so bad, it was every eight minutes, right? Oh, number, wow. one, number one child epilepsy doctor in the world. We took her to at the Cleveland Clinic through the grace of God, like friend of a friend, goes in, diagnoses her, looks at my parents and goes, I have no idea what's wrong with your daughter, right? Like, can't, can't, can't solve the problem. And we're like, great, like, what do we do? My mom literally went and was like, diet, the gut cures everything. I'm gonna, you know, kind of go figure this out finds the ketogenic diet and through meticulous weight and like just crazy, crazy amounts of everything goes and through diet alone and oils and coconut oil and things like that cures my sister of epilepsy. She has no seizures anymore. And over the course of the next several years, weans her off that diet to where she's a completely normal person again today. So like when it, when you talk about the gut and when you talk about how like this is all connected, like I am 100% a believer in that. And one of the things that I learned and noticed, and I'm really curious your thoughts on this is I've kind of seen like doctors will look at the symptoms that you have and rather than going and looking at what's actually causing that and trying to solve it there because of the society that we live in, that there should be a fix and I should be able to get back on my normal way. And because anything that takes longer than a pill or 30 seconds is not right or is going to interfere with my life, they go and they say, here's a pill that is going to solve the problem as long as literally nothing else changes, right? But oh my gosh, all of a sudden you eat more junk food and now that problem doesn't solve anymore or you change your diet here and now that suddenly becomes very, very, very bad for you what they've prescribed for you. And so like I see them treating the
1: symptoms rather than the root cause. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. I mean, look at diabetes. What do we do for people? They're insulin resistant, meaning that they're not responding physiologically to insulin. So we pump them with more insulin that is not solving the problem at the source. The source is you have too much, uh, metabolic dysfunction. Your body can't store and respond to insulin. That's already naturally at the levels in your body. You need to go on a fast. You need to stop eating carbs. You need to stop eating sugar. And instead of that, we give them a prescription to pump up the insulin levels to obscene levels and they get fatter, they get sicker, they, they get more. And and, so we're not, we're not solving the problem. It's a hundred percent true. And, and, and we're not knocking on doctors, right? Like they've, they've been trained in such a traditional way. And I think they do want to help people genuinely, for but, but the thing is like, man, if you really choose that as a profession, you kind of owe yourself an obligation to constantly be learning in that space because so much is changing and we're learning so much about how important it is to affect the the the, the actual root cause of disease. And fortunately, things from Cleveland Clinic like uh, Mark Hyman and the functional medicine movement yeah. have started to sort of make it more mainstream to look at root cause disease. But but it's really fascinating to see things like the carnivore diet coming into mainstream and how much of an impact it's having on people's health because it's really changing the game for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the problems, and, I, and I, I'm I glad you brought up the point, we're not bashing doctors because like doctors have their place, right? And like you said, I, I genuinely do believe that doctors want to help people. I mean, that's why they go into the profession, right? Um, I think one of the tr- issues for doctors though is like there's so much regulation now, you know, like- they have to prescribe certain things. They
1: well, and there's can't huge influence. I mean, yeah. they're getting paid. I mean, think about it like a, a clinic that does orthopedic surgery is going to make way more money. And they're a business, they're a for profit business. They're going to make way more money performing a surgery or prescribing a quota of pharmaceuticals than they are just sending the patient back and telling them to change their diet. Yeah. And it's it's an economic driver that. Unfortunately, we 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 haven't figured out the economics of how to make this more influenced in the way that can help people long term. I think, and that's uh, that's something where at the grassroots level, things like carnivore ketogenic diet can really make that change.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't think we have time to go into the whole problem with the system and changing that or whatnot. But you know, it, it, there is so much regulation, there is so much money, there is so much power, there is so much lobbyists, and quite frankly, if we were to go and you're not just attacking pharmaceutical companies at this point, you're also attacking Monsanto, who I'm sure like, you know what Monsanto is and and the giant, I grew up a farmer, right? So everything was Monsanto and like Monsanto, we're talking the food industry here, which you think, I mean, the pharmaceutical companies have tons and tons of power. I don't know which one technically has more, but right up there with them is Monsanto, who literally has, for those of you that don't know, like Monsanto is a seed company, more or less, or really a food company, but like a seed company for our, our crops, for, for corn and things like that. They have police forces. In-house that drive around to farms. And if I'm an organic farm next to a farmer that does Monsanto corn and they spray their crops and the wind carries that pollen over onto my organic stuff, I had no control over it. Monsanto can come and confiscate my farm and my crops because they own the patents and the rights to it. And they're just shutting down farms. And so you're not only doing attacking the pharmaceutical companies, now you're attacking the food companies, and you've got probably hundreds of billions of dollars at this point that you're fighting. So I think there's there is a huge dilemma there. So we are focused on how the individual, you and I, can solve this problem, maybe not in a mainstream way, but at least for you and I, what we can do to start taking steps to eating healthier, to eating clean, and to go and solving these problems there. So right. moving this conversation towards that way, where specifically do you focus? And we're going to talk about the carnivore diet here specifically. Who's the carnivore diet designed for? And like, what ultimate results are we getting if we follow the diet?
1: So the carnivore diet is designed, in my opinion, it's designed for someone who, um, man, that's a, that's a broad question. I will I will say that for an achiever, the carnivore diet is the optimal diet for you. And, and the reason I'll say that is because I find that a lot of achievers are willing to make sacrifices and the carnivore diet is going to ask you to make a huge sacrifice in the variety of foods that you eat. The flip side of that is you are going to eliminate a lot of the toxicity and the inflammation and the autoimmune triggering molecules that come with the slew of plants. And the premise here is plants have been in, in an arms race with animals on this earth for hundreds of millions of years. As much as the superfood plant industry wants us to think that molecules like um, isosyothionates or rosveratrol or uh, polyphenols are incredibly Antioxidant and healthy for humans, they're actually defense molecules that plants have created that actually hurt you. And if you look at the holistic image, not just zoom in on one picture of how they trigger our our livers NRF2 pathway and actually activate our glutathione production and our natural um, sort of xenohermetic response to the actual molecule that is a pesticide the plant makes you then see a much bigger picture and you're like, holy crap, this stuff actually causes inflammation. Mm. It penetrates my gut uh, barrier. It actually goes in and triggers autoimmune and inflammation at levels. And it's designed to do that. It's designed by the plant over hundreds of millions of years because the plant can't run. It can't chomp at its predator. It can't claw away. Mm. It literally is stuck there in the ground like a guy at a beach with his body buried in the sand. Like you literally have no escape mechanism. And so plants have developed these mechanisms. Humans evolved from primates. It took us about 6 million years, but we think that we became the, the humans we are that were able to have this conversation and create the computers and read and really evolve our brains to the capacity they are now is because of the nutrient-dense animal foods that we started consuming back about 5, 6 million years ago. And then we saw human brain size really explode. Mm. We saw our gut size shrink. We saw our gut acidity go to a higher level than most carnivores because we were scavenging um, the bone marrow and the brains of carcasses at our early stage evolution, and then we became taller, more erect, and we were be- we were more of an apex predator where we could actually throw. So there's a lot of evolution that we're looking at in that respect, in in all kinds of nuance there. But um, that's kind of the whole idea there with the carnivore, and why I think it's so valuable is because we think. And I'm a pretty big believer in this theory or hypothesis that carnivores are are it's the ultimate diet for brain health. It's it's by far the ultimate diet. You can't get DHA from plant foods. You get ALA from plant foods, but your body has to convert that. Your omega three fatty acids come from animals. That is one of the most crucial components of a brain. Cholesterol doesn't exist in the plant family. You get cholesterol through production in your body. Actually, you produce about uh, twelve egg yolks worth of cholesterol a day. And cholesterol is not going to kill you. I, I promise you. There is so much information now out there about the lipid hypothesis and how we actually don't know that cholesterol is killing people. It's actually, it's actually not the cause of what's of of the inflammation in the atherosclerotic plaque. It's it's at the scene of that location, but it's actually probably a protective mechanism. It's probably something the body's producing to to, to repair the damage that's being caused by leaky gut and uh, my uh, toxins bleeding through the gut, uh, barrier into the bloodstream hmm. and then damaging your blood vessels. So I'm kind of going on a little yeah, no, bit on and on. Interesting. So, so, but, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. Uh, well, I was going to say, um, so for me, it's like you get B12 from animal foods, you get DHA from animal foods, you get, um, uh, you get choline, creatine, carnosine, carnitine. These are like the power foods of your brain and your emotional health. Like these are building blocks. You get heme iron from animal foods. None of that exists in plant foods. You need heme iron to create dopamine to have mental health. And we see studies now coming out that are interventional studies, like proven situations where we've intervened and looked at the data and gone, okay, this vegan population much higher rates of depression, much higher uh, mm. issues with cognitive decline. And then we go in and we look at the animal food interventions. And what's happened is we've missed, we've, we've, we've clogged the data. We've, we've looked at people who have historically eaten a lot of food, a lot of red meat versus people who have become mindful and eaten a lot of plant foods. And we've gone, oh, well, if you ate a lot of plant foods, you were so much healthier than the guys that were eating those cheeseburgers and fries and who else knows what they mixed in with their meat. Right. And we made the meat the, the villain. And, and the crazy thing is, if you have high quality meat, it's not, it's not what needs to be vilified. In fact, that is the, the, probably the most nutrient dense, least consequential food you could consume for your brain. And so I think for anyone who's an entrepreneur struggling with any sort of mental health issues or gut issues issues, it's It's a, a fantastic diet to to consider,
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing from you is, and I because I want to I'm completely new to this, right? Which actually makes for great episodes because now I'm right there with the with the listeners here, right? So it sounds like I'm gonna get into why we're bashing vegetables so much here in a second. But sure. it sounds to me like we're focused on this is a, a diet for optimizing the brain and a diet for. Almost like optimizing overall performance and nutrients. Would that be correct?
1: It's hard to give it an exact title like that or label because in my my experience and my understanding and what I've done to the research of the book, it's pretty much the optimal aligned diet for a human being. Okay. When you start introducing plant foods, you're not really getting a lot of benefits overall. You're actually usually introducing toxins that are hurting your body at all levels. Hormonally, yeah.
0: So I, I want to talk about plant foods here in just one second, because that's yep. obviously a big, huge part of this. But is there anybody that like this diet is not for? Is this like, eh, if you're doing this, if you're like a super high hardcore athlete or you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to, if there's, is there somebody like this, that's like, don't follow this diet if you're X.
1: You know, I hate to say that it's like, it's for everybody, but it's really hard to look at people and tell them to go plant-based. Like from a a overall holistic perspective, there is nothing that I found in my research writing the book and from what I've seen in the community where um, being plant-based gives you an advantage. Now, there are some extreme cases where we see people needing to do carb backloading with long distance or really high performance type athletics and maybe in some cases bodybuilding where literally a person wants to be in anabolic building muscle mode, 15, 16 hours a day, then there's some unique situations for everyone who's an entrepreneur for even the most elite achievers. If you want physical performance, you want optimized hormones, all that, this is going to be an optimal diet for you. And I, I don't see any outliers where that's not going to be the case there may be some very unique situations. We're talking less than 2% of the population where someone is a hyper-responder in an allergic way to red meat because everyone, there's always some genetic polymorphism out there.
0: Right, we're not focused on the exceptions to the rule here. We're looking at the rule. Okay,
1: so we got
0: three core topics here, I would say, to to cover. I think let's just go in line here. I think the first one is, let's talk about fruits and vegetables then, right? Because this is... um, I would say, let's say a, attacking fruits and vegetables and saying that plants are no longer are not needed in your diet anymore would probably be the most, one of the more controversial things that you could say, right? I mean, like <laughs> we've had people on the podcast that are, you know, help people that are just like, just eat your fruits and vegetables every day. If you do nothing else, just make sure you eat your fruits and vegetables every single day, right? It'll help you. My mom, I mean, like a huge proponent of, of, of fruits and vegetables and, and keep me, don't get me wrong, dude you're telling me that I get to eat more meat and less fruits and vegetables. You are like my hero, right? Like I'm like, <laughs> this is, sounds awesome. Right. But like, what, what do you mean by that? And specifically like, are fruits and vegetables actually bad for you? Are there certain vegetables and fruits that you're wanting to stay away from? Talk to me about that specifically, as far as what do you mean? Should I just not eat fruits and vegetables anymore?
1: Yeah. So, um, when I talk about a carnivore diet, I, there are a lot of different people in this space. Um, probably the bigger influencers in the space would be Dr. Sean Baker, who was on the Joe cut. Rogan experience. And um, Carnivore MD, my good friend, actually, Dr. Paul Saladino, who just wrote a book called The Carnivore Code. And didn't, hold on, sorry, real
0: quick. Didn't Joe Rogan try the carnivore diet? I he did,
1: s- it, he did it the first month of the year and he lost like 17 pounds. He got yeah. cut. He, he, um, he said his mental clarity was like, he had never been clear. His energy levels were very consistent. And it was just like, yeah, he had some awesome experience with it.
0: I'm trying to find the video here. You guys can probably go find it on his Instagram. He posted
1: it on his Instagram. He's like sitting there in like a CrossFit gym and I reposted it on my Instagram too. And uh, yeah, he he had a great experience with it. Yeah, he goes,
0: yeah, here it is. Carnivore diet update. Lost 12 pounds, feel amazing. Lots of aches and pains went away and I have improvements uh, in my vitiligo vitiligo vitiligo, vitiligo? vitiligo okay. yeah uh, i'm impressed i haven't decided if i'm going to keep eating like this but this month was very beneficial <laughs> edit the explosive uber diarrhea stopped around two weeks in it's been totally normal <laughs> the last two weeks so i mean joe rogan who i love i mean he, he gave it a shot and that's his response for it so explain to us what we're talking about here
1: Okay, so you asked about how, like um, the general diet and then, you know, yeah, never yeah. eat vegetables and fruits. So my, my approach is, is more in lines with saladinos where I recommend a nose to tail approach. So when we look uh, at sorry, a carnivore what? diet, a approach, okay, nose to which, tail approach, which basically means you're not just gonna eat like ribeyes all day long and drink <laughs> water. Like you can do that and you'll probably be better off than eating the, the fruits and vegetables. Um, but I recommend adding in liver and kidney And the reason I recommend that is because if you look at an animal and you look at where it stores its nutrients, the same with human beings, a lot of our B vitamins and vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, um, even vitamin E, alpha tocopherol is stored in our liver. And so when you eat an animal liver, you actually get the same biochemistry that your body takes in. And Mm so eating beef liver not every day, but every couple of days, every few days, that is nature's multivitamin. And you're getting all those vitamins that you just don't get in the same quantities that you would get from muscle meat. And so I recommend constructing a uh carnivore diet. When you do a nocetil carnivore diet though, you don't need anything from fruits and vegetables. And the crazy thing is you don't need fiber and all the vitamins you think you would need that would come from like lemons, like vitamin C or carrots, like beta carotene, that's all in the liver. It's all in the kidneys and you get none of the other nonsense that those foods would give you. And there is molecular stuff in these foods that is designed to prevent them from being eaten. If, if plants evolved to be a perfect superfood for animals, they never would have existed. They would not be here today. They would have been consumed and destroyed from the planet. Like we would have just like the woolly mammoths, we would have eaten them to extinction, but they have evolved mechanisms where animals know, and you can see this in nature, they'll go and they'll eat certain plant foods, but they're survival foods. And a lot of times for a herbivore, they know based on the level of toxicity, how much of a plant they can eat and they'll eat some of it, but then they also have adaptations. They have much bigger guts to process and ferment the fiber that's, that's in their system. They have, um, a a different level of acidity. They have actually unique enzymes in their saliva. A lot of herbivores are chewing food for like eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Yeah. we don't do that. Like humans just chomp it down and it goes into our gut. Our gut gets really acidic. We rip it all apart in our gut and then we absorb it. And so, um, it's just, it's just crazy when you start to get into the the, uh, biochemistry of this and then you start questioning all the conventional beliefs around animal foods, not being healthy and go, uh, actually like liver from a cow is insanely healthy. And like cholesterol is not what's killing a human being because first of all, your body makes it, your brain is like 70% cholesterol. It's in every cell membrane and you just start looking at all this stuff and it's just, it it blows your mind.
0: So, It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds like that the reason that you don't need fruits and vegetables anymore and that we can do this through the carnivore diet is that the the nutrients and the nutrition that you would be getting from a fruit or a vegetable, the good part of the fruit or vegetable, can be found in types of meat like liver and heart. And you can consume it that way and avoid all of the negatives that come with plants. Is that correct?
1: Yes. And if you think about it evolutionarily and you go out into nature today, what are you going to find? You're going to find a rabbit or a deer or, you know, maybe there's a wild cow back in the day. But like, right. the, po- the point is you're not going to go start chomping on bark or tree leaves or grass. Like the silica in the grass would destroy you. Like there's nothing evolutionarily for most human beings on this planet that is not seasonal from a plant perspective. So when you go into your supermarket and you look at all those beautiful avocados or bananas or lemons that you're eating, they're not naturally there. They were shipped in from thousands of miles. Yeah. They're genetically modified and they're loaded with lectins with the, with different molecules that we know destroy they the can really hurt the human gut. In your gut it's kind of crazy to think about this, but think about your environment, right? So we know as entrepreneurs, it's really important that we get influenced by the right things, right? Going into your mouth and down your esophagus, into your stomach, there is literally a single layer of a cellular membrane between what comes into your environment that you're exposed in, in time, inside your gut and what actually goes in your bloodstream. And like 70% of your immune cells are there because your body needs to be really focused on what the hell is coming in there. Sorry for that. Um, no, you're good. And not messing up or getting into the bloodstream. And so your environment is just as much inside of your stomach as it is outside of you. And so when you're putting in foods like plant molecules that are, are toxic, that are not a native thing that you would have been consuming as a human being for probably millions of years. But like, like what about like, what about like apples? and pear like like, what about like fruits
0: that grow on trees like i feel like i mean i feel like that's kind of pretty natural for us to go eat right i mean like vegetables i can kind of see maybe but like and and keep in mind i know nothing about this right so i i am i am asking questions like a dumb idiot that i am when it comes to all this
1: and i'm like what about like what about an apple but but where would you have seen apples and pears like six months of the year you got you got colder season you're not going to get fruit fruit blooms in the spring and You know, it's a very brief period of time where nature creates a sweet kind of plant food that can then be, uh, consumed by certain animals to fertilize the seed, but it's not something that nutritionally gives you a lot of benefit. I mean, it spikes your blood sugar. It's very, uh, seasonal. It's not something you would, you don't eat apples. Like you don't see apples in, in nature year round. Like they're never in the winter. The only thing you're going to eat in the winter is going to be animal foods. Um, Plants are survival foods. Okay, plants are survival foods, meaning what? Meaning as human beings, we have some biochemistry and some mechanisms that we still carry to process plants when we cannot get animal foods. Okay. But the nutritional value of hunting uh, a deer or an elk is so much more valuable and the nutrients we get in that animal are so much less triggering for people. That's why we see in the, in the carnivore community, if you go on there and you look You just see case study after case study of of anecdotes. It's not a a true study. It's a lot of anecdotal feedback, but you see so many people reversing autoimmune diseases and reducing inflammation, losing weight, getting their brains back because they're literally feeding back into their bodies the sort of diet that we were ancestrally designed to eat.
0: And is that, do you think that's due to eating meat or is that due to lack of eating vegetables? Like, to me, it seems like, I guess it, it seems kind of like a combination of both, but it almost seems to me like where we're, where you're pinning a lot of negative is around fruits and vegetables and that fruits and vegetables actually do do a harm
1: of some sort. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, um, I'm 100% saying that most fruits and vegetables are not going to be a net positive on a human body. Wow, okay. And- and i'm saying that if you just started adding meat you probably would feel better because now you're giving your body more of the essential nutrients that it's designed to take in essential complete amino acids from protein you know the b12 cobalamin that your body needs to to build nerve sheathing and process nerve stuff you, you're getting a lot more source of that nutrient creatine choline all that stuff that you don't get in plants but then removing the plants, there are all those plant toxins, those things like lectins, um, isothiocyanates. In fact, broccoli, as much as I'd love to tell you that broccoli was amazing and that your mom was right when she told you to eat all your broccoli on your plate, it's actually not at all the case. If you eat a lot of broccoli, you get a lot of gas, you get a lot of protein, or you get a lot of fiber, and um, you just there's so many things in plants. You know, there's a whole list of stuff I talk about and um, break down, but you look at the biochemistry there's nothing in almost no foods in plants can natively be accepted by humans which is not necessarily an argument that we are carnivores because herbivores will eat plants and convert them but we when we eat animal foods the the vitamins and the nutrients that we get from the animal foods is actually coming through in a native form and we're not using our our internal biochemistry we're not having to switch on mechanisms to convert those 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 sort of nutrients like for example vitamin A in plants is only in beta carotene but vitamin E vitamin A in animal foods is retinol retinol is the form that our body actually utilizes for eye health for nerve health for brain health mm. so it's just a testament like why would you know why would this vitamin we can eat it in a human and we don't get inflammation we don't get autoimmune triggering and there's really nothing in the biochemistry when we take in like a piece of liver other than yeah. copper, vitamin A, and all these vitamins versus like a plant. Uh, if you find it in vitamin A, like beta carotene, you might also get, um, some sort of triggering molecule that, that could, could just trigger your gut, could cause inflammation, things like that.
0: Okay. So what type of meats are we talking about here? Because I can't imagine McDonald's cuts. It, it fits the bill there. Um, so like what, uh, is there a specific type of animal? Is there a specific way it's cooked? Um, like what, what type of meat are you referring to here specifically that we should be focused on if we're going to eat this diet?
1: So usually the redder the meat, the better. So red meat is preferred.
0: You're, you're literally going against everything that I've ever heard. And like, don't get me wrong. I love it. I just think it's hilarious because I'm like, if this be true, man, my life is going to be so great. I red
1: meat all day. But okay. So red meat, red meat here red meat is red meat is preferred um you get more you get more pack per punch in in terms of the the nutrient profile you've got more of the amino acids you've got more of the kind of superfoods that we call in in animal foods like creatine and and um it tends to also carry more fat which is where a lot of the stored vitamins and minerals can be in the animal now to your point that's also where we store a lot of our toxicity so if an animal, if you're eating an animal, and it's in, in, innately that animal was chomping on Monsanto soy feed, then it's possible that it might have glyphosate Roundup in there. It might have genetically modified stuff that just would mess it up, and it could be sick, and it could have antibiotics and other things that pass through it through its fat. So, so we're, looking, we're looking for clean, clean meat. In a perfect world, we would eat regeneratively farmed, organic. Uh, uh, red meat, like grass fed beef, uh, grass fed bison, um, you know, some elk, some deer meat, you know, things like that. And maybe some pork as well. Technically that's considered red meat. Um, those would be the better cuts. There's nothing wrong with chicken. There's certainly some benefits in some of the dark cuts, the dark meat of chicken um, that, that like vitamin K2 is pretty high in chicken, for example, dark meat. But you don't get quite as much of that full meat profile, and it tends to be more lean. And one of the big arguments around the carnivore diet is it's a ketogenic diet. And so the beauty with the ketogenic diet, I don't know if you've done anything with that on your on your show before. You probably have experimented with ketones or ketogenic diet.
0: Yeah, I, we haven't had anybody
1: on specifically to talk about it, but I know what you're referring to when you mean that. So, So ketones are really unique. And one of the things we think about in the carnivore community is... Getting our bodies into a low level of ketosis. And the reason for that is unless you're like an extreme CrossFit, like high level competitor, where you absolutely burn out your muscles for multiple hours a day, and you need to just pump in like a direct drip feed of like honey, or some high glycemic glycemic carb to just go right into the muscle, which is probably not ancestrally consistent with most of us, we're not going to be doing that. Um, You are probably better off running on ketones. Ketones burn, um, oxygen much more efficiently in the body. They create a lot less reactive oxygen species, uh, in terms of oxidative damage when they're actually converting and being used for energy in our cells. And ketones is what the body shifts into metabolically using when we're no longer consuming carbohydrates. And so,
0: okay. So I, I, I guess that's my question right there. So for those people that have no idea, um, what this is, you're better off running on ketones
1: versus what? Carbs, glucose. Okay. So, so we have two mechanisms as a human being. We okay. can either run on, on carbohydrates. And we actually, ironically, this is interesting, Josh, we see uh, tribes, equatorial tribes, some equatorial tribes where they, they have year-round access to carbohydrates. They can thrive on carbs and they don't have uh, markers of diabetes and some of these health markers we see in the mm. Western society eating a very hard, high carb diet. But the caveat is they don't eat fat, they eat very low fat. Mm. So it's an Atkins diet. Atkins diet was really famous for basically being high protein, high carb, low fat. Ketogenic diet is low carb, moderate protein, high fat. And high fat. As you mentioned with your sister, um, they treat epileptic patients which is also another testament to this and what it does to your brain. Your brain is mostly fat and cholesterol. It loves ketones. In fact, ketones are more, they're more neuroprotective and they're beneficial to the brain. We talked about the, the damage, the oxidative damage that can happen with burning a lot of carbs. I don't think ancestrally our ancestors were constantly chomping on berries or pears or apples. They had a woolly mammoth, and they ate that thing in their tribe for you know three weeks, and then they didn't have food for a week or two, and they were fasted, and they were running on ketones because when your body doesn't get food and you tap out your uh, native uh, glucose sources, your native carb source sources, you are running on ketones, and when you eat uh, a moderate protein, high fat diet, your entire physiology is shifted, and you're now in ketosis, and that's where Uh, ketones, which one of the the most popular ones is beta hydroxybutyrate, that molecule can be substituted for a carbohydrate glucose molecule to give the cell energy to produce ATP and actually run your body.
0: Okay. So one of the things that happened with my sister when she went on the ketogenic diet, and I just always remember my mom saying this is we did not want her body to go into a state of, I think it was ketogenic. but I could be wrong on that, where the body starts storing fat. We wanted to get, and this is specifically for her, for her. I understand this is different because it's her for seizures, but it was, as she started having seizures, when her body got too much stuff that it, instead of feeding the brain and feeding the body directly what it needs, it's like, oh, we have an excess, let's go create fat cells and store it. And when that happened, that's when she would have seizures. Are we talking about anything in relation to that here?
1: So it sounds to me, and, and I'm a little rusty on this, uh, it could be that, um, so your body doesn't store fat when you're eating fat. It's, it's kind of a, a confusing thing because you're like, oh, fat makes me fat, but that's not true. Your body stores fat when you produce insulin. The reason you produce insulin is because you're eating sugar. When you eat a carbohydrate, you're getting sugar in your body. That's not inherently bad, but what happens is the insulin in and of itself, when it comes in, it's a hormone that regulates the blood sugar in your vessels, in your blood vessels, in your kidneys, in your heart. If blood sugar goes above a certain level, it has to be very tightly regulated. Then you can damage the blood vessels and you can get kidney damage. So what happens is the excess sugar has to go somewhere and insulin opens up your fat cells and it stuffs the sugar into your fat cells. So, ironically, when you eat carbs, they get stored as fat when you have too many of them. Okay. Okay. So, excuse me, going back
0: to eating this way clean meats, red meats, uh, typically beef, um, pork, um, I'm sorry, elk, deer, bison,
1: things like that. Chicken's not bad. What about fish? Fish is great, you know. There's a there's there's definitely some conjecture and and discussion around the benefits of fish. We see a lot of societies that are really healthy with fish. Fish fats are obviously a big one. The omega three fatty acids in fish. The big caveat with fish and thing you gotta watch for is the quality. It's always a question of how clean it is because there's a lot of, um, unfortunately now in the Pacific there's a lot of radiation from Fukushima, and then in the Atlantic there's a ton of pollution. So. You can kind of pick one of lesser evils. Yeah. A lot of fish is just dirty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. And I think that that's just kind of true across the board. You got to be really careful with the meat that you're putting in your body. Um, I grew up on a farm and it was all organic, all grass fed beef. Our or the the guy we bought it down, we'd buy a cow out of the time, right? And it was 100% organic, grass fed, clean meat. Now, when I get meat, it's organic free range, grass fed beef, you know, things like that. So, you know, that type of meat, this is the type of meat that we're referring to. We're not saying, Hey, go down to McDonald's or go down to, you know, your local, whatever that has the cheapest crappy meat. And that's
1: good for you. We are talking specifically about clean, healthy meat here, right? So you can eat, um, even conventionally raised beef. And as long as you're not getting heavily loaded on the fat content of the beef. So if you want to do ground meat, and it's fairly lean, even conventionally raised grain fed beef is going to be fine for you. And it's going to give you quite a bit of nutrients. Okay. The big thing we're trying to avoid is like atrazine and gly- glyphosate, which are Roundup and uh, hormone disruptors that are carried mostly in the fats of the animals. So okay. I, I recommend for people, don't let good be the enemy of uh, perfect, you know? So if you, if you can do just like, that's just what fits your budget It's probably still a lot better than eating most of the plant foods that you think are healthy for you, but are actually triggering you. Again, if you, if you do good, do you, but for for a lot of people, I think this can make a big change. Um, so conventionally raised meat when it starts getting into the fattier cuts like ribeyes and, um, the big fat caps. And then if you're actually going out and seeking fat in, in itself, like fat trimmings from the animal, then it's more important to watch for grass fed. And, and just make sure you're avoiding those grains and the chemicals that come with those grains. Does the
0: level of how well it's cooked matter at all?
1: That's an interesting one. So actually cooking it too much is probably more of a challenge than undercooking it. I've actually gone raw ca- raw carnivore for about a month and everything was raw. Bro. <laughs> and that's so I, insane. You got, you got to be careful. Um, oh. you obviously need to trust the source of no, your I'm meat. <laughs> um, but I do drink the blood in the meat that I eat most of the most of the meat I source from a farm that I know so I'm very familiar with the where, like literally where the animal was yeah, I've been yeah. to the land that the animal came from and I trust them and and I know who they are and uh so the blood has a lot of magnesium and vitamins and other things that come out of it but and, and it doesn't it doesn't taste that bad but you know again you're like a vampire you're like what am I doing here you know right right um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh okay
0: wait so but, but yeah a-
1: so, I can't. I can't even remember what you're asking me. Oh, the, uh, last well, the one there. red, like how well should it be cooked? Because I'm I'm a medium. Oh, rare oh yeah, person. yeah. So 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 you. Um, I always now I have actually I order my steaks rare because I feel like even the restaurants they cook them, they cook them too much when they go medium rare and uh, the water soluble content in food there are water soluble vitamins vitamin C vitamin B um, are both water soluble those ones are more sensitive to temperature and evaporating and being broken from heat. And so you are better off eating certain foods in particular kidneys, organ meats, like liver and kidney. If you can, if you can stomach it and handle it, I try to eat those raw and, and largely because I know those are loaded with the vitamins that I want and it's I try to not cook them up.
0: It's interesting you say that. So kind of a gross story, people, if you're like, you know, I mean, if you're on this episode, I mean, you're already past this point, but I, I lived on a farm and uh, we raised and butchered chickens a lot. So free range chickens, stuff like that. I've butchered thousands of chickens in my lifetime. We had this, uh, a friend of ours, we'd always go over to his place. It was his butcher shop. Um, He had this big, huge farm or whatever, but he, I mean- this dude is like the most out there dude, like house is made of straw bale. Like she has a straw bale house and like <laughs> solar, everything like this dude, the whole world could collapse and he'd just be living. Right. He's, he's great. But
1: okay.
0: he, um, whenever we would go butcher chickens, he would do that same thing. We would literally go, he'd be butchering, him, he'd rip out the liver and he would just take a bite of it right there. And I was just, I just remember being just so grossed out by that. It's just the worst thing ever. But he's like, dude, it's so good for you, yada, yada. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Okay. For the sake of time here, I, I do want to kind of move on. there's a couple more pieces that I want to touch on. What about like non fruits and vegetable food, but that are, are also not meat? Are we staying away from those things like bread or pastas or sauces and things like that? Like, are you talking like meat and meat and meat or? Is there room for things like that? What do we stay away from as far as other foods when it comes to non-fruits and vegetables?
1: So in general, the carnivore diet can going to encompass anything that comes from an animal and anything that's a plant molecule, you're going to try to nix out. And so okay. any grain would be growing out of the ground. That would definitely be out. Um, one interesting area that I'm experimenting with Josh is, is fungi. And so fungi is unique. It's actually technically oxygen consuming and it's older than the plant kingdom. But we know some of the fungi have toxicity to them in terms of uh not just the psychedelics or whatever, but like actually <laughs> they have
0: uh
1: they have some um they have some craziness there. I don't know if you've explored uh like psilocybin or stuff like that, but uh yeah, it's been it's an interesting topic. I, I, I like psychedelics. Yeah, I, I, I just do. I just did a, a ceremony on Friday actually.
0: Really, really. Yeah. With, I, I'm yeah. a fan.
1: I'm a fan yeah. for sure. Yeah. I,
0: I would just say that a pr- Anyone that's curious about that, approach it with caution. I f- firmly endorse it, but just like, know what you're getting into, because it is unreal. It, like it is just so crazy. So like, be in a good mental state
1: before you go down that road. But I highly endorse it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so to, to kind of close out your question. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's all animal foods, um, plant foods in general. You want to nix. and the idea is, you don't have to get rid of them forever think about getting rid of them for it's, it's an elimination diet. So it's really like clean things out and then reintroduce and see how you feel because everyone has a genetic kind of sensitivity. Yeah. You may find if you get rid of coffee for 60 days and then you reintroduce it, it just wrecks you. And you're like, Holy crap. Like I've been eating this for like, you know, consuming this for two years and I never realized how bad it made me feel. Yeah. So what about for drinks then? Are you straight water? So, um, yeah. Pretty much all water. Uh, some of the, like I have some of the four Sigmatic, like uh, mushroom tea stuff just cause I'm playing with the the, the fungi a bit, but yeah, but yeah, mostly uh, water. Yeah. I don't do any, any coffee anymore. Um, you could do coffee. Some carnivores, uh, are like, like go for it and it has to work for you. So, um, right. but technically, technically coffee is, is, it's got a lot of problems with it. It's got, it's got mold toxins well, in it. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. And then, you know, it, for me, I found it caused a lot of anxiety. Some people have issues with metabolizing caffeine and it affects their sleep. Yeah. Um, and I just found it was like a cycle for me. Like when I get on coffee, it's like I need almost like to get back on it to get back yeah. to baseline. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, yeah exactly. um, so it's water. That's it, man. I just drink water and sparkling water. A lot cool. of Topo Chico's and uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff.
0: Cool. Okay. So why... I guess both of my questions kind of fit into this next, like, piece. There's, like, two more things, topics I think I want to cover with this. is like, why has traditional, like, fruits and vegetables and the idea and, and concept around fruit, eat your fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are healthy for you. That's what you should be eating. Red meat traditionally is bad, quote, quote, right? Like, where does this logic come from, first off? And let's just, let's start there. Where Where does the logic of... Why fruits and vegetables are healthy? Where does that come from? And why is, well, I guess we've already covered why it's wrong. So where does it come from and why is it told to everybody?
1: So Western medicine back in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s uh, really followed some of the research done by a, a fellow named Ansel Keys. And Ansel Keys really demonized saturated fat. So saturated fat came on and we started seeing um, fat people and we started looking at fat. And we started seeing kidney failure and we started seeing protein in urine. And um, there's, I can go into the details of them briefly, but the, the idea was like the, um, they looked at data sets and they intentionally left out outliers to paint a picture that saturated fat was causing clogged arteries and killing people. And so that story became a mainstream platform for most of Western medicine that we see today. And most pharmaceuticals focused on, um, most medicine focused on eliminating that variable. And so fruits and vegetables naturally sort of started to fill in because we no longer had meat as a primary food source. And we started looking at different plant foods and researching and focusing in on the actual benefits of the antioxidant benefits there. And so okay. that's the the small picture of it. The 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 other thing is the lipid hypothesis, which is this whole thing around cholesterol and how much we didn't understand about cholesterol, but we thought we did around the fact that we were cutting open people who had cardiovascular um, symptoms and disease. And then we were going, oh my goodness, there's all this cholesterol and clogging and calcification within the endothelial layer of their arteries. And we went, man they were eating all that cholesterol. What's what's funny is people think that red meat causes kidney damage or that it can be, you know, if you eat too much protein, your yeah, kidneys can start to fail.
0: Let's let's talk about that really quick, just to find this really quick. The the common uh, agreement or the common wordage around the negative benefits of red meat are what?
1: Red meat is bad because it does blank. It causes heart disease. It has cholesterol or fat in it, which contributes to that. It can be saturated fat. About I think it's about forty percent of animal fat is saturated fat, which again was very demonized as a source for cardiovascular risk. It um, it can contribute to a toxin, endotoxin in the gut that people have have associated called new new FGC, which we've gone and actually looked at the nuance of that it's not. Technically true, but we looked at all those things and we looked at all those mechanisms, went, This is bad. Get this out of us.
0: So, then if if that is the accusation or that's the common wisdom that says red meat does XYZ PDQ, which we just talked about here, right?
1: If you're saying it doesn't do that, then what does cause those things? We don't actually know. We think we know. And so, what we think it is, is it's it's actually um, hyperinsulinemia and leaky gut. So most people are metabolically dysfunctional. There's estimates of about 80% of of Americans are at some level experiencing metabolic disease. That means that their their body is no longer able to process blood sugar, is is, is having problems being regulated, and they are fat. They're basically getting fat at some degree. So we think that it's leaky gut. Mostly from, from that, things, toxins, and things that are not supposed to be in our in our bloodstream and in our bodies are getting through the, 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 the gut barrier in our body, and we're constantly dealing with inflammation and autoimmune response to that, and that's largely being caused by food that we're consuming that biologically we're not supposed to be consuming at the amounts that we are. Okay.
0: So one of the questions that I know, and I have to ask you because I know it's going to come up a million times, is like, when I like, I don't like fruits and vegetables. They're all nasty to me, man. Oh my god, I hate them. <laughs> but you don't you know, like any fruits? <laughs> uh, bananas, maybe. Right? Like, okay. maybe, like maybe. Right? Some like chocolate I'll, or yeah, blueberries yeah. or you some, know, some, <laughs> ch- chocolate maybe. But like, like you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really a fruit and vegetable guy, but I eat them. And yeah, yeah. I, I'll admit. Like, listen, when I sit down and every day for a week I eat a, a, a fruits for breakfast. Right? I have some sort of a, a fruit. And then for lunch or dinner, I sit down and have a really big salad or red peppers and things like that, right? There's no denying that I feel better, right? Like I feel higher energy, I feel cleaner, I just feel overall better. Now, I'm not saying necessarily in comparison to strictly meat, because I don't think I've ever truly eaten just strictly meat, right? Right. Like, obviously, it must be better than something because I am, I feel better when I eat them, right? So like, why is it? typically speaking, then that when people do eat fruits and vegetables, and they're like, oh, man, I feel so much better. What is happening there? And why would all plant I mean, sorry, all an all meat diet, give that same effect, but also
1: better? Like, what is it actually cutting out? So I think people are feeling better because they're switching from a standard American diet, where they're just eating total crap, to more whole food diet, the fruits and vegetables so that's like kind of the first piece i would say like yeah if you're eating a spinach salad versus the mcdonald's cheeseburger with you know white bun and french fries you're probably going to feel better even though technically the salad doesn't have any red meat in it um the next level up is if you can get whole all quality meat and you can cook it in a way where you know you're you're not just burning the crap out of it or deep frying it in oil when you get to that level now you've nixed out the plant phytochemicals that are going to be triggering for a lot of people. And so um, it's like that first level, okay, fruits and vegetables, okay, maybe I feel good. Great. You, you just kind of substituted them for probably crap. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is a big piece of it, is there's a transitioner period. So for a lot of people who go, for example, from a carbohydrate diet to a ketogenic diet, they struggle for about a week or two, yeah. or maybe even three weeks, with what's called the keto flu, and they basically exactly. their metabolism. Joe, Joe Rogan talked about it. And he was crapping his pants. Yeah, he was, and that was actually probably more of a gut microbiome shift than a metabolic shift, but it's probably okay. both. Okay, and so in in my in my book, I say, look, if you're going to do the carnivore diet, you're probably going to plan for two to three weeks of just diarrhea and and just low energy and shifting because. What's happening is your small intestine is where you digest most of your animal foods and your large intestine is where you digest a lot of your plant foods. It's just, that's how we evolutionarily evolved from our primate ancestors. You eat a lot more plants. When you shift the macro uh, scale of the food that you're consuming to a lot more animal foods, you need bacteria to keep up with that in a different volume. And so a lot of people tell me like, I don't feel that good when I eat a big steak, you know, I feel heavy. I can't, you know, it's just like, I feel a lot lighter and I feel a lot just more like free when I eat all these plants and, and vegetables. Right. Yes, And, and I just go like, yeah, cause you don't have the gut microbiome shift that you need. Like mm. I can knock down literally like two pounds of, of ribeyes and then go sprint 30 minutes later wow. and I'm fine. It's like, your body needs a couple weeks to feed the bacteria and you need to adjust. It's 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 a diet that you haven't eaten ever and now you're yeah. expecting yourself to feel amazing the moment you shift. Yeah, okay. All right, that makes sense. What do you what do you do for breakfast? Usually some form of steak and uh, I'll do like a couple raw egg yolks uh for the choline and the vitamins and the eggs. Um I actually get duck eggs here local at a farmers market. I'm in Austin, Texas. We've got amazing uh farmers nice. here. And then, uh, I, I am a really big fan of raw beef fat. So a lot of people don't know this. You can go to a local butcher shop or a farmer's market and you can get the fat from the the cow and you can actually, um, that is like pure fat. It's super cheap. It's loaded with vitamins. You can get grass fed fat for like six, seven bucks a pound. And I eat that and, uh, I just mix it in with my food and it's like a great source of fat for me to kind of just fuel myself. Hmm. Interesting.
0: Okay. All right. Dude, this has been fascinating. Um, (laughs) Guys, I want to be very clear. I am not in any way endorsing or not endorsing this. Just to let you know, I just thought this was a really interesting topic. Go try it for yourself. I mean, um, he seems to, you seem to be pretty set on it, man, like that, that this works. And, and I applaud you for it. That's awesome. Um, so I appreciate you coming on here and kind of like explaining this cause this is a whole new world. And I like what you said there about kind of at the end that it does take some time to switch over to this, to let your body get up to speed with it. It's not like just tomorrow, you're going to start eating all meat and just feel amazing overnight. There is a, there is a process there. Um, I think the big question now for people is, all right, maybe I want to try this, or at least I want to learn a little bit more about this and what you do and what you're teaching, what we're talking about here, where can people go and find you? Where are some resources that we can give them and point them in that
1: direction? So the best resource right now we have is our YouTube channel. Um, I started one with my team called carnivore Kurt with K's. So carnivore with a K and Kurt with a K, um, they can go there. They can learn all about that. We have a book that's dropping next Monday. I took four months of my life to write it. It was, uh, it's, it's my, my baby. So, um, all the YouTube videos basically have link descriptions in our bio to drive people to our carnivorekurt.com website where we have information about the book and they can join the, the wait list for that drop. And then uh, Carnivore Kurt is, is basically all of our social handles so they can learn more about that there. Nice.
0: All right. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we drop all that down below uh, as well in the description there. So guys, go check out uh, the YouTube channel, the Instagram, and then we'll also uh, include a link to the book. Um, I don't know if the, we have to wait till it comes out if, we, if you're listening past three days after this comes out, then it'll probably have that link down below there as well. But dude, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you coming on here and just explaining all this has been a fascinating conversation. Is there any, uh, like last words or anything that you have for, uh, the audience?
1: Um, no, I think, I think if you're struggling with gut issues, you're struggling with anxiety, uh, maybe, and, and a lot of this is subjective. So just keep in mind, like these experiments can be really fun to do as a person because, you know, for example, I used to not really care as much about my sleep and I really dialed it in and it's like almost like an alcoholic who st- doesn't realize they're drunk. So when you, when you dial these things in, you get a huge edge. And if you can add 10, even 5% more to your mental clarity and you can make better decisions and you can run your day better, I think a diet like this can be really powerful and it's super easy to implement. So I, mm-hmm. I highly recommend checking it out if you're in any sort of realm, um, dealing with something like that. And, uh, it's, it's, it's something you can easily implement. Cool, cool, cool. Kurt, man,
0: I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on both Facebook and on iTunes, guys. Let's get get those numbers up. I appreciate you all. Uh, I love you all, and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace.